I'd like you to take your Bible right now and turn with me to the book of Mark. The Gospel of Mark. I'm just reminded of my friend David Hall. He's Australian. We like, turn to the book of Mark. If you're English, Mark. <laughs> what did he say? If you're Chinese, Mark. <laughs> so... <laughs> All right. Uh, why don't we stand to our feet? We honor the reading of God's word in this heart uh, house. Uh, Mark chapter eleven, and we're gonna we're gonna read two sections of scripture here. Uh, very interesting kind of story. Mark chapter eleven, and look with me, beginning at verse twelve. It's there in your notes, but this is what it says: When they uh, the next day they had come from Bethany, he Jesus was hungry. I'm reading out of the New King James. And seeing from afar a fig tree having leaves, he went to see if perhaps he would find something on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. In response, Jesus said, let no one eat from you ever, eat fruit from you ever again. And the disciples heard it. Now jump down. He goes, he cleanses the temple, which does have some significance that this story sandwiched in there, but we're not going to uh, go into much of that tonight. Verse 20, jump down. You see the result of his cursing of the fig tree. Now in the morning as they had passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. Peter, remembering, said, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes the things which he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Oh my goodness, that's a huge statement. Therefore, I say, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe you receive them and you will have them. Wow, that's so big. Let's pray the Lord help us. We're going we're gonna to see answers to our prayers. Even tonight, we're going to operate in this. But let's pray. Lord, I just thank you for your word. I thank you that it is life-transforming. It is life-giving. God, it corrects us. It, it encourages us. It builds us, Lord. And I just pray that you would do tonight in our lives what you need to do. Help us move into a realm of faith and, and even the miraculous mighty God that we would be supernatural men and women of God. These signs will follow them that believe. Oh, mighty God. I pray that you help us as believers to operate in the supernatural. Let miracles flow out of our lives, mighty God. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. What an awesome, awesome declaration. It's an interesting setting that this comes from, but uh, many of you have read this parable, which I, I did want to highlight one thing that I had seen here, I'm, I don't have enough space. One day when we get into the grand hall over there, we're going to build a nice big pulpit. Praise God. Um, maybe. But uh, one thing, just, just to give you a little context on this, on this passage, uh, 
one of the interesting things that, that you'll notice is, uh, I don't know about you, but even as I've read this story, I've thought sometimes, man, Jesus, that kind of seems like an overreaction. Anybody know what I'm talking about? He's walking down the street. He sees a fig tree. The fig tree is not producing fruit. Now, I, I don't know about you, but sometimes I get what I call hangry. Do you know what hangry is? It's when you're hungry angry, right? And uh, that's why my wife and I discovered this morning it's not good to have uh, meetings, especially when we're dealing with finances, when we're hungry. Uh, it's just not productive. Go get you a, a biscuit or something before you have those kinds of meetings. I don't know if that's what was going on with Jesus. They're going down the road. He sees this fig tree. He sees the leaves that are on it. And what's interesting is the Bible actually notes that it wasn't even the season for figs. But here's what's interesting, and I never knew this until I, I just studied it earlier this week. Did you know that figs, when they grow, the only time fig trees actually produce leaves is when they're also producing figs. So though it was out of season, the fact that it had leaves would have told anybody who was passing by, which this was on a public road, up for grabs, it would have told anybody, there's fruit on this tree. And so Jesus approaches this, assuming there's going to be fruit there, and realizes there's not. Now there is significance here. You can kind of put in context and you can pray. It's not what my message is about tonight. The fact that he immediately after goes into the temple, cleanses the temple, these guys look good, no fruit. He curses and he cle he doesn't curse. He cleanses the temple. He leaves the temple. In fact, I, I love, you'll notice if you read this, guys, Jesus was intense. People, people like to think Jesus was non-judgy and just like peace, love, and lilies. And uh, Jesus had some seriously intense moments. You just read this story if you ever, ever want to know about that. But he comes out, and, the, and they're leaving now, and they see that fig tree, which he cursed. And Peter marvels. It says that he marveled that the fig tree had withered. And Jesus' response was simply, and this is the topic of our, of our message tonight, have faith in God. Everybody say, have faith in God. You notice what, what happens here is Jesus is revealing, now this is your first blanks here, Jesus is revealing their lack of faith in the power of his word. He's exposing their lack of faith in the power of his word. Here's what I want you to realize. This was, this was really stunning when I saw this. Jesus made a declaration with his mouth about that tree. Nobody is going to eat fruit from you ever again. And the Bible says the disciples were astonished when they saw that the tree had withered. I want you to think about this because if you, if you really take time, it shows. He says, have faith in God. You want to know why? Their thinking was completely backwards. You realize it would have been stranger if they would have come out of the city, seen that tree, and it was still normal. That actually would have been more unusual than for Jesus to say something and for it to wither. These guys obviously didn't have confidence in the words that Jesus spoke. 
This is why it's very important for us to know what did Jesus say? What does the Bible say? Because you understand, if God has declared something, if Jesus himself has said something, you and I can stand in confidence that that's what the Lord intends to do. Are you trekking with me? It's very, very important. So he's, he's giving us really room to examine our faith. In fact, that's what I wrote there at the top, an examination of our faith. So there's a couple of things I want to point out that I think are going to help us. We're going to take some time. We're going to prophesy. We're going to minister healing. In fact, I'm going to ask for the Lord to give us some words and knowledge tonight. I want to see. But, but I think this is going to help prime our faith for what God desires to do tonight. Are you guys ready? Okay, so here's the first one. The source and the object of all genuine faith is God. This is simple, but we need to examine this. You might think, oh, I'm good on this point. You might not be as good as you think. The source and the object of all genuine faith is God. Now, I want you to think about this. Have you ever... Have you ever had a moment where you've tried to operate in the miraculous and, and nothing happens? For example, I, I mean, we'll take the example that Jesus gives right here. I remember reading this passage in the Bible about you can say to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea. And I remember thinking, I ought to try this. Now, you guys have mountains here. I grew up in southern Illinois where they don't have mountains. It's flat land as far as the eye can see. So the nearest thing that I could do was command a tree, be uprooted and cast into the neighbor's yard. And I didn't see it happen. I didn't see that happen. Now, I've got some reasons. In fact, by the end of the teaching, I think you'll see clearly why that did not transpire for me. But how many of you have had moments like that in your life? You tried to do something supernatural. I tried to walk on water. How many of you tried to walk on water? Be honest. Most of us have, I think. You try and walk on water. You command a tree, you know. Or, or maybe, maybe on a more serious level, how many of you have taken time to pray for somebody, believing for them to be healed? And maybe in that moment, maybe never on some occasions, you did not see them healed. And you wonder, what went wrong there? One of the things that I want to challenge you in is the, the source and the object of our faith is God. And I know that seems simple, but, but here's what I think we tend to do. We tend to focus on the need that is presented before us right? You, you have somebody come to you and they've got a bum leg or whatever and you're, you think about that leg. How can I see this leg made whole? If I can just, right, it's like a mind over matter we think, okay? If only I can have more faith than I have unbelief, then I can see this miracle take place. And I'm, I'm just going to tell you guys, I, I believe that is a wrong mindset, I think that what begins to happen is we begin to put confidence in our mind. We begin to put confidence in our gift. We begin to put confidence, well, if I can pray loud enough and seem like I'm on fire, or maybe if I'm coming right out of a worship service where I got my sins right with God, then, then he's going to hear from me. I think we're focusing a little too intensely on us, on 
on our integrity, on our power, on our ability, on our mindset. You notice what Jesus says. Have faith. This is in Mark 11. Have faith in God. That was his response when they were astonished that the tree had withered. Have faith. Everybody say, have faith in God. It's very important. You understand faith is a gift from God. 1 Corinthians 12 gives us a whole list of gifts. Ephesians 2, 8 says you have been saved through faith. Everybody say faith. faith. Not that of yourselves. It is, the, it is a gift from God. So the fact that you have faith to believe God in order to be saved is all a gift from God. Somebody say thank you Jesus. It's very important. Hebrews 12 uh, verse 2 says that God is the author and the perfecter or the author and the finisher of our faith. Think about that phrase for a moment. He is the author of our faith. That means you have faith in your heart. That means God somewhere along the way came down and he inscribed that on the inside of you. It's like he wrote a book. And he says, listen, you don't have the ability to believe in me, but I'm going to give you faith in order to trust in me. So everything that we have, faith is a gift from God. Faith is not, as I said, mind over matter. Faith is, this is, this is what faith is. And I want you to think about this. God, you can do anything. You are the source. I am just, I'm a vessel. Right? You are the creator. This that I'm praying over a minute, this is only creation. This is part of your creation. You have all authority over it. I don't have authority. You have authority, and yet you are with me. It's very important. The object of our faith. So, so the next time you, you just, let's, let's even tonight just examine. Is my faith, it's not a matter of, is your faith bigger than the miracle you're believing for? Is your confidence in God enough that you say, God, you are supreme over all. God, you're the creator of this body that's broken right now. God, you are the, you, you are the creator of the finances that I lack or that I need right now. God, you are the one who can break every stronghold of the enemy that ties me up. Right, Whatever the situation, God, you are able to save. If you gave me faith to believe, you can give my unbelieving family, you can give my unbelieving friend the faith to believe. You trekking with me. Now, the second thing I want you to see, faith believes in God's word. Faith believes in God's word. Oh, I skipped one verse there. It's on your page. With God, nothing will be impossible. Luke 137, that's a good verse to memorize. Faith believes in God's word. Now, Matthew 17, 19, it says this. Why could we not cast it out? It's an interesting story. Jesus said, because now this is, Jesus has just been on the mountain with Peter, James, and John. The Bible says an interesting thing. He was transfigured before them, had this wild spiritual encounter. They come down off of the mountain, and he comes down into uh, what's nearly a riot, actually. Man had bought, brought the, his child to be 
he was having epileptic seizures. He was nearly dying on multiple occasions. And he brought his child to the disciples in order to be healed, to have those demons he believed that were oppressing him cast out. But by the time Jesus gets down there, the disciples have been trying to cast this demon out, and it wouldn't come. So Jesus comes down, and he makes this declaration. He says, faithless and perverse generation, how long have I to deal with you? He then proceeded, come out of him. And the Bible says within the hour, that spirit left him. And uh, sure enough, was set free. And the disciples asked him, and this is where we pick up right here, why could we not cast it out? So Jesus said, because of your unbelief. Assuredly, I say, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say, and he gives the same illustration, you will say to the mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Now, what I want you to think about, something had happened, because just a couple chapters earlier, in fact, if you look at the time frame, it was less than a year ago that Jesus, in Matthew chapter 10, The Bible says that he called the 12 to himself, and the Bible says that he gave them authority over sickness, over disease, and over demonic power. And he said to them, everybody say, he said. Jesus said to his disciples, go into these surrounding areas. Go to the the house of Israel, preach the gospel, cast out demons, heal the sick, raise the dead. Cleanse the lepers, gives them this whole list of things that they have now the authority to do. They go, and the Bible says that later they come back to him, and they were amazed. Jesus, even demons are subject to us in your name. What happened between then and right here? Not even a year later, they are unable to take authority over this demon power they were operating in dead raising power now a year later they can't cast out one demon out of a boy what happened gee i I believe what what was my point here faith believes in what you know what i think happened i think jesus gathered his disciples together and he says i'm giving you authority now go and do this they went believing the word that had been spoken over their life now a year later you know what i think and this is just me guessing okay but i think the fact that jesus continually said uh you lack faith believe in god the fact that he keeps on turning them back to the same thing you know what i believe they were probably trusting in maybe themselves their experience. Maybe they were trusting in their gifting. Oh, I have the authority. I can handle this demon power. And they failed. I believe what they needed to do and what Jesus was encouraging them to do was return back to the word that was given. Remember, you don't have it. In fact, if you go back to Matthew chapter 10, this isn't in your notes, but you ought to look at this. When they came back and they marveled, Jesus, even demons are subject to us in your name. Do you remember what Jesus said? He said, don't marvel that demons are subject to you. Marvel that your name is written in heaven. 
You know what he was doing? He was directing them. You want to know why you have authority? Because you're in me. You want to know why you have authority? Because your name is written in heaven. That's where the authority, it's not you, it's him. We need to remember and hold on to the word that, that God has given to us. Listen, you can get some wild idea, and this seems like a good idea, but if you can't find it in the word of God, you might as well trash that idea, I'm just telling you. You stand on the word. Now, there's things that God has spoken over you, and there's prophetic words that have been confirmed, and I, and I take that. It's not quite on the level of Scripture, but I tell you, I remind God of those promises. Lord, this was the word that came from you, and I believe for this, even if I don't see it right now. Now, he encouraged them. Uh, he encouraged them in, in this passage. He said, uh, this kind only comes out by prayer and by fasting. And so listen, if you're lacking faith, or if you find that your thinking is wrong, I'd encourage you, turn to fasting and prayer. Turn to fasting and prayer. You know what? You know what? You know what prayer does? If you're faithless, if you have more doubt than you do faith over a situation, for real, take some time and pray about it. Take some time and pray and seek the Lord. Because all of a sudden, I mean, you, you, can't, you can't be mopey with God for too long in the place of prayer. Have you ever noticed that? I mean, if you really go to God seriously. Look at the Psalms. Here was a lover of Jesus, or a lover of the Lord in King David. And this guy started out many of his Psalms very emo. Very emo. God, woe is me. Oh, my enemies are around me. Oh, my body. Oh, the wicked prosper. Oh, God, why, why, why? I mean, all throughout the Psalms, you'll see this. But you'll always see this shift that happens as he approaches the Lord in this place of prayer and in worship. All of a sudden, you'll constantly see this shifting where all of a sudden, I will yet praise you, my God. You are the rock. Lead me to the rock that leads me higher than I. You are my shelter. You are my strong tower. I mean, all of these declarations that he's constantly lifting up. You're lacking faith. You spend time in the worship. You spend time in prayer. It's going to be, that's what Jesus said. You're faithless. Pray. But the other thing that he said, you'll see this in Matthew 17. It's the same story. In Matthew 17, there's also uh, this declaration. Jesus says, you are faithless and perverse. Faithless and perverse generation. How long will I do? Faith, faithlessness is counteracted by prayer. You know what will break perversion off your life? Fast. Begin to fast. And I know, I know I say the word perverse and we automatically think sexual because that's the connotation. And that's true. You want to break perversion, sexual perversion, immorality off your life? Take some time to fast and pray. It's real hard to spend time set apart for the Lord and then go into a place of immorality quickly. But perversion is not just in a sexual connotation. You understand, perversion just, it, it means skewed thinking. I'm just a little off here. 
I, I don't have my priorities right. I may even think some wrong things about God. That's what perversion is. It just means to be twisted. It means to be skewed a little bit. And, and, and you know, at first it doesn't seem like a big deal, but I've heard people give the illustration. You imagine if you're flying a rocket to the moon and you're only half a degree off. That's not that big a deal. But by the time you should have arrived at the moon, you're going to be thousands of miles off course because it was just a little bit off. This is why it's so important. We get some wrong thinking, some wrong idea, whether it be about God or about the word or about ourselves or about our sexuality or about whatever it is, you fill in the blank. We get, ah, it's just a little compromise. It's just a little. Fasting, God will speak to that real quickly, whatever it may be. He'll begin to expose and it'll bring correction in. And so I'm telling you, that's why he said, you want to know what you boys need to do? You're faithless. And you're perverse. I think their perversion was the fact that they were looking too much at themselves. But you know what fasting will do? It'll deprive you of your self-strength. It'll deprive you of your self-ability very quickly. So, so pray and fast. Now, next, next point. This is a third bullet point here. Uh, faith relies on God's power. Faith relies on God's power. There's a couple power verses for you right here. All authority or power. Everybody say power. All power is given to me in heaven and earth. And then at, this is a great commission. At the end he says, and lo, I am with you always. There's a reason they call it a great commission. It wasn't the great mission it wasn't the great sending all right good luck guys you saw me do this for three and a half years now you go good luck no he says i have all the authority and i'm going with you i am with you even to the end of the age so yes he sends us but you know what the beauty is he goes with us that's where authority is going to be found you want the authority to preach you want the authority to see healing you want the authority to break demonic power Abide in him. Walk with Jesus. Now look, he continues. These signs, Mark 16, 17, will follow them that believe. Everybody say believe. believe. That's the action of faith right there. It's talking in the same line. You want signs and wonders to follow? Get faith. Pray for faith. Help my faith. Help my unbelief. In fact, I love, I love that moment. Uh, was it Dorcas, right? Tabitha. Uh, I believe. Help my unbelief. We, we need that sort of transparency with God. We need to be honest enough to say, Lord, I believe. But I kind of don't believe sometimes. That's okay. That really is okay. We all have areas in our life. It's like, you know, I, I don't know what it is. My wife and I have seen miracles time and time again where we've prayed for uh, women who want to be pregnant. And over and over and over again, barren women, we've prayed for and watched them become pregnant. We've seen, I like, I have very little doubt in that area any longer because we've seen it so many times. People seven years unable to conceive a child, we see God give them a child. It's amazing. I have yet to see the dead raised. I've tried a couple times, to be honest. In fact, I'll never forget. This is a freaky story. Does this freak you out? 
This is a, well, but I would still do this today, I'm telling you. So we had a funeral at our church. This was a number of years ago. And uh, they dropped the body off at the church the day before. It was winter. So I'm sitting in our living room. And all I can think is there is a body in our sanctuary. And I'm like, God, I'm always preaching about raising the dead. And I, and this guy died unexpectedly, by the way. It was a car accident sort of thing. So it wasn't like, you know, 95-year-old grandpa goes to be with the Lord, love the, no, this was an unexpected thing. So I'm like, this is a tragedy. And uh, I'm always preaching about dead raising and how I want to see. And I would, I mean, I got to go try. So. So I did. <laughs> so I did. I took every verse about resurrection. Uh, wake up, you know, come forth. You know, I tried in every way, and I'm, you know, but and I didn't. Uh, you, you know, you guys would have heard about it already, probably if I had seen that. But uh, but I tried, and I've tried on other occasions. And I t- if if you call on me, say, hey, we got a dead person here. I'll go try again. I really will. I mean, if Jesus, it took him one time twice to pray for blind eyes to be restored. And so I figure it might take me three, four, five times to see the dead raised. And I'm okay with it. But I'm going to keep on trying. I'm going to keep on trying. That's part of exercising faith, okay? And so you might think that I'm crazy. I didn't try pulling the body out or anything like that. But I did. I, I mean, I spoke strongly because I, I believe these signs will follow them that believe. It's on that list. Acts 1.8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And we see in the very next chapter, it's, this, it's the Greek word baptismo. I love it. You know what the word baptize means? It means to overwhelm. It means to encompass. Uh, in fact, the technical term is to make whelm, uh, which is kind of weird. What does that mean? But, but yeah, it's like a pickle. In fact, thank you. Uh, did you know, this is true, that the word baptism was actually a cooking term before it was a spiritual term. And it was the idea of taking a cucumber immersing it into this concoction of vinegar and salt and seasoning it remains for a time and when it comes out of that mixture it's no longer a cucumber what is it it's a pickle and this is what happens to us you understand you have your nature, you have your characteristics, but God's got his nature and characteristics. And there's this moment where the Holy Spirit comes upon you. It baptizes you and literally overwhelms you in his nature, in his characteristics, in his virtue, in his power, now can flow in and through you. I'm getting so excited tonight. That's what it is. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So listen, you rely. Now, just because you receive the Holy Ghost, you pray in tongues, you prophesy, we exercise, we practice all these things. Don't let your faith rest in, I'm so gifted. I was in that service and, and I, was, I was appointed. I was endued with power. That was the moment that it happened. I mean, it's good to have confidence in faith. But you remember the source of the power. 
I think there's a reason. If you study revival history, there is a reason that the list of topics that those preachers would preach on was generally pretty short. Most of it had to do with the sovereignty, the greatness, the holiness of God. What you would find is these individuals would preach and they would exalt and talk about how great and how marvelous and how wonderful God was. And I get this idea that it's almost like God couldn't stand to be bragged on so much without showing up. And that's exactly what he would do. He would hear these people glorifying. Now, there's a lot of, there's a lot of people in, 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 in I pray the Lord guard me from this, but they, they talk a lot about themselves and I'm so wonderful and I'm such a great, I'm so anointed and this is my background and this is my testimony and it's, it's all that. Now listen, testimony's good, it's powerful, it can be faith inspiring, but if that's all it is and we never lift him up, I think sometimes God is just like hanging out by the door waiting for somebody to acknowledge him, waiting for somebody to come in. All right. It relies on God's power. First Corinthians 2.11 says it is the Holy Spirit who distributes these gifts as he wills. Remember that. You might be the mouth that lets forth a, a powerful word of prophecy. You may be the vessel through which God flows his healing power, but you remember that it is the Holy Spirit who distributes those gifts. He's the source. He's the power. Now, here's the last thing in and I love this. Faith seeks to do his will. I'm going to tell you, I believe this right here is where most of us miss the miraculous. I think this point right here is where some of us have declared trees or mountains to be removed or we've tried to walk on water and it has not transpired. I think a lot of it comes down to this right here. Now watch this. 1 John 5.14 We have, now this is the confidence we have in Him. If we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. There are things that we pray about that it may not be. Now, you got to be careful with this. It may not be God's will. It may not be God's timing to do things in the way that we think he ought to let me give you an example there was a time where my son sitting here on the front row had terrible terrible ear infections constantly would plague him and I mean I'm telling you you saw him as a child six months a year two three four years old he was constantly just snot Ears, pus, you know, just, just horrible. He cried. We'd take him to the doctor. He had multiple surgeries on his ears to have tubes put in. And I cannot tell you how many healing meetings we went to, how many times my wife and I prayed over him, fasted for him to pray that God would heal and take away those ear infections. I mean, we went, we went to whoever you could imagine. We went to the Benny Hinn meetings. We went to, you know, uh, I remember another evangelist. We went to Rodney Howard Brown and David Hall and some of these great guys who operate in great miracle power. And every time we had the opportunity, we would respond by faith to those altars. I carry my son down to the altar, pray for my son. In fact, I'll never forget one service. There was a the man of God. He shared a testimony about how God healed him from his chronic ear infections. I'm like, this is the night. I remember taking Gabriel 
holding him and taking him down to the altar. He received prayer. And time and time and time again, nothing happened. And we saw miracles transpire, but it never happened for him. And I'll never forget the day Gabriel comes home from school. Now, he's in, how old were you? You're in kindergarten? Gabriel's in kindergarten. And that day, he went to a Christian school. They had chapel. And during the chapel, what was her name? Miss Graham. She wasn't a pastor. She wasn't an evangelist. She wasn't anybody. She was a teacher. Gabriel goes down to that altar on his own accord. She lays hands on him. And I'll never forget Gabriel comes home that day. And he began to tell my wife and I the story about how when Miss Graham prayed for him, he felt like warm water, like oil began to flow inside of his ears. He felt that warmth go throughout his body. And can I tell you, from that day, he's never had a single ear infection. Never. And you want to know something. This is why. My God. Why? For years did we pray and we fast. And we, I, I don't think that it, it, it's not that it wasn't God's desire to heal him. But you want to know something? My son was old enough that he remembers that miracle. He remembers going to the altar. And now it's not just mommy and daddy who tell the story about him getting healed. He can tell you about the moment that God touched him. I believe that God delayed that miracle, if you will, long enough that he would remember it. He could share the story. That's just an example. And so, now listen, our job is to pray. Our job is to pray with authority. Believing God, taking God at his word. But you don't get discouraged if you don't see the breakthrough in that moment. You're going to pray and you're going to keep on praying. Remember what Jesus said. Ask and keep on asking. Knock and keep on knocking. Seek and keep on seeking. The door will be open. The answer will be given. You will be heard. There needs to be a persistence in the way that we pursue God. It's very important. Whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Oh, I skipped one verse. This is important. Even Jesus yielded to the will of his Father. He said, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Yet, not my will, but yours be done. Even Jesus had this moment. It's like, God, I'd like to see this happen. Is there another way? But not my will. Three times the Bible says he sought his Father but at the end of the day, we know Jesus, he yielded to the Father's will. He went to the cross, and he purchased once for all all of the benefits I've been sharing about tonight. Jesus made that available for us. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. Now, I hope that this helps you. Do you get all the blanks? I only had, what, seven or eight. Um, we're going to pray the Lord help us. We're going to pray the Lord help us with this. Now, this is what I want to do. Um, we're just going to, we're going to release some things right now, okay? Um, I would like if, how about we pray first? How about we pray? 
because we're going we're gonna to have some activation. We're going to ask the Lord to do some things uh, in and through us in this time. I believe we're going to see some miracles. Would you just take and put your hand over your heart? We're going to ask the Lord to help us. Lord, I, I just come to you tonight and I thank you for your word. I thank you, mighty God, you said that signs would follow them that believe. You said we could ask for anything in your name and you would do it. And we know as we pray, according to your will, you hear us. You will respond. And God, I'm just asking that in the very same way you spoke to your disciples, they were astonished when the miracle took place. They, would have, they should have been astonished if you would have said something and nothing happened. And God, I'm just asking that tonight you would help us with our faith. That you would, Lord, if we've got things that are, that are out of whack, if we've got things that we, we've got more unbelief than we have faith, if we've got things that hinder our faith, if we've got uh, areas of woundedness, or maybe we've given up uh, praying over a certain matter, I'm asking that you would help us with our faith. Help us, Lord, to not trust in our gifting, our, our, our wisdom, Lord, our ability, our, our whatever, Lord, and help us to remember, believe in God. Have faith in God. Trust in His power. Lord, help us. Help us to believe You for who You are and what You do. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.